We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It's a Friday. It, you got the playoffs again this weekend. I mean, it's... We got football. Uh, we got, it's Friday. Thank you, Daryl. We got Cavs basketball. I mean, we got a guaranteed dub tonight against the dubs. Yeah, I mean, can, what more can you ask for? All right. This is, this is a tough uh, situation to be in because we like guaranteed wins in the NBA. We do. And this would, if the Cavs beat the Warriors tonight, and when I say Warriors, I'm using that uh, that term loosely. It's like the Santa Cruz Warriors playing tonight, if you guys haven't heard uh, everybody that's out tonight. But if the Cavs win tonight, that'll push them to 29 and 18. We like that, right? That's another win. We like wins. But this is a joke. Yeah. This is, you know, and, and I don't do this, okay? Because I really do think that I think it's okay that occasionally individual players get rested in games because you don't want to burn these guys out. If if missing Steph Curry for one game in January means I get more Steph Curry in the playoffs, I totally would make that trade. Everybody and their mother would make that trade. But the Warriors, what they did today, it was basically a middle finger to literally everybody who buys tickets to these games. Here's who's not playing tonight. Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green, Andrew Wiggins, Andre Iguodala, and James Wiseman. I, I don't know exactly what the ticket prices were on, on this game specifically, but 
I am a season ticket holder, mm-hmm. and I'll, I'll just tell you this: like our our seats tomorrow night for the Bucks game are about almost double, maybe even a little bit more than double what they typically are. Mm-hmm. And we've got decent seats. We're not like on the floor or anything crazy. We got club seats. And if Giannis didn't play tomorrow night, I would be pissed. Well, and I think that's the point here. And to me, it's we, not. We, just- we have a half season. We we don't have tonight's tickets. But my point is, like, I if I was a, a fan of the Cavaliers mm-hmm. and just an NBA fan, mm-hmm. and I've got buddies who you know their kids love Steph Curry, and they were planning to go to the game tonight, and. It's just, it's really kind of frustrating. Well, and I think I think the mistake the NBA makes or the, the Warriors make here is this isn't about you're disappointing Cavs fans. No, no, no. One, this is excessive rest. There's no marquee names in this matchup other than maybe Jordan Poole. And no offense to Jordan Poole. He ain't Steph. He ain't Clay. Can I, he get, ain't a, Draymond. Can I get a prop on Poole? You might, yeah. <laughs> if there's a plus 30 is points tonight for Jordan Poole. Is there a same game parlay Poole. on – can I do Poole to score the first basket? So the excessive resting is the, the biggest part of this. Here's the other thing. You mentioned something. The NBA, the young NBA fans, um, they're not solely Cavs fans. They're not solely Warriors fans or solely Heat fans. The regionality of fandom in the NBA is the least significant regional influence because it's all about superstars. So there are plenty of kids who are just Steph Curry fans. And to find this out at, let's see, when was this announced? 145 today? Like, are you serious? And and listen, we've all... Uh, I'm glad I bought out of that bet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the line now in the game tonight, by the way, just FYI, is Cavaliers minus 11 and a half. We've all made deals with the devil, and we've all, like, the the, the point uh, where the NBA, where in the name of player safety, we've allowed it to be taken to a nauseating level, right? And we do it all because we want these guys to have longer, better careers, and we hope it means they can save a little bit for the, the postseason. But this is disrespectful. If somebody bought these tickets seven days ago, if they bought tickets uh, two days ago, would they have had any understanding that Steph Curry wasn't going to play in this game? And yet, I guarantee you there are people who paid 400 bucks to see Steph Curry play tonight. There, There's a family who they built this because it's Steph Curry and it might be their only chance. Yep. And the Warriors were like, well, not only do you not get to see Steph, every other meaningful player that gave us a championship <clears throat> last year outside of Jordan Poole ain't playing like, tonight. N- not, you're not even going to see Wiggins. Like... No and, Draymond. And you know where they don't do this? Do you know where they don't do this? They don't do this in Madison Square Garden. They don't do this at the Staples Center. They don't do this in Miami. No, they do this to small markets. And it's so, it's such horse, you know what. I almost yeah. said it. No, you almost did. I yeah. just, because I, listen, again. I just looked on SeatGeek. Like, the get-in price tonight's like 45 bucks. Rest players. Do that. But do you have to rest everybody? And in what is Steph like, Curry's... Like if, if Steph sat out tonight, okay, that's your best player. I get mm-hmm. it. It's a back-to-back. Yep, they went but to overtime last night. They literally are benching their, their starting five. Yes. And oh, by the way, we get this five hours before tip-off. Thank you. Cool. To all those people in this small market who this... And by the way, this is the Warriors' trip to Cleveland this year. It's not the third time they're going to be playing the Clippers... No. Or, sorry, the second time they'll be in L.A. playing the Clippers. It's not the second time they'll be in Portland playing the Blazers. Right. It's the one time the one they'll time be in the town. The one time the Warriors are coming to town, uh, one of my very good friends, um, was his son loves Steph Curry. 
they were planning to go. I, I think he bought tickets. Mm-hmm. Um, hope he didn't buy them yet. Um, but they were planning to go tonight. Yeah. To see Steph. And you find out five hours before game time. Five hours. And oh, by the way, because the response from the NBA is, well, it's something we're working on. And, well, it's the second half of a back-to-back. You should expect that. Well, then maybe I'm, I'm, don't I'm telling put you, this the, game. The Cavs should like refund certain amount of money to the season ticket holders. I, I don't think it's the Cavs. It's the NBA. No, I know. I'm just, well, whoever. Yeah. The point is, because these games are slotted. Yeah. Uh, yeah, our tickets tomorrow night are 347. Yeah. If, and you know what? And, and they're typically not even close to that. Even if it came out today, Giannis isn't playing tomorrow. When did you make that decision on your season tickets? You made that you decision, made that decision months ago. September, October, maybe? I think we made our decision for our season tickets like well before the season began. I just, I, I, I don't, I, I, I am all for, let's keep players healthy. The NBA schedule is a son of a gun. Yep, absolutely. But there are about three conflating factors here that are honestly disgusting considering the price. Because that's the other thing. Like, you and me aren't, aren't one, one game, single game isn't going to set you and me back. There's a family who this was their game. It was the game, yeah. Because it's Steph Curry. Their game in Cleveland, and who knows? And and listen, it has nothing. This is not to take a shot at the Cavaliers. We're all Cavs fans, Mm -hmm. right? But you go to games sometimes to see the opponent too, right? Yep. I mean, if you're an NBA fan, like... The NBA is a player-fan league. Tomorrow night, family night, we're going to the Cavs game because Giannis is in town. Mm -hmm. And I watch the Cavs play all the time. I watch him play every game. I go to most games. Yep. But tomorrow night... We, this has been on the calendar for a minute. Well, and at least with the Giannis thing, you you I, don't you have two more games against him. I know you've already had one game here. Yeah, there's which one. They won. Yeah, that's true. So like at least in the, at least if he's in your conference, you're probably gonna have another crack at seeing them. But even then, but this the, is the first time I've the, had a chance. The to The single see family thing that we just talked about, yeah. the the people that this is their one thing they get to do. That's the family that gets job there. I just. It just, it honestly, and I know it's not an intentional thing, meaning like the, the Warriors organization isn't like screw Cleveland specifically, but that's the that's the end result here. And it happens to places like Cleveland, like Memphis, like, uh, you know, Milwaukee when Giannis isn't there or like a player like Giannis isn't there. The NBA, the NBA is so close. They're so close to doing it right. Right, maybe they do, they do a lot of things right. They do so many things so right, and yet this is the thing. This and competitive balance are the things they cannot figure out to save their lives. But you know what, David, David, uh, David Stern, um, Adam Silver, he's going to get that midseason tournament. That's going to fix everything. Yeah, that's going to unrest Steph Curry and ninety-seven percent of the Warriors' production over the last ten years. Or <sighs> Stan Van Gundy when we need him. He's spitting. That's what he's, he's doing. He's spitting it. He's out there. No, he's spitting. He's spitting it. No, he's spitting. He's spitting it. No, there's no it. You're you're adding an it, and when you add an it, there's an implication with the it that I think is just a little too much. We don't typically take calls for a second. Let's let's hit AP up. Let's go with AP. AP, welcome to the show. Fellas, good afternoon. What's Happy up, Friday. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. Thank you, buddy. Hey, guys, I, I got to play the other side on this. And I think you're I, I, I don't think you're wrong. I'm just playing the other side of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, first off, I, listen, I'm a Cavs fan and they, uh, the, the Cavs can the Warriors can go rest Steve Kerr's coach tonight, too, and they can rest their starting ball boy. I, I don't care because I want the Cavs to win. Now, I understand where you're coming at. And that's 
that's kind of the main crux of well, what if the what if Junior, you know, is a fan of Steph Curry? Mm-hmm. I think that's a problem that we have in today in in sports. I coach at the high school level. We have too many kids that. You know, what's your favorite team? Oh, I, I like Damian Lillard. Or do you like that? Name two other guys on the team, and they can't. I don't know. I just I, I wish it's an NBA I, thing, I though. And I'll, I'll say this: yeah. I'm 40 years old, man, and and I grew up a Cavs fan, but I I I did grow up watching Jordan. Mm-hmm. I, I sure, was I was a fan course. of Kobe. I was a fan yeah. of Shaq. Like I was a fan of Charles Barkley. Like I I was a fan of the NBA is different. I think than other than like the NFL, for example. Is it is it any different, Dustin? That and and I guess yes, a little bit of it is. But I I am a uh, Guardian season ticket holder. Okay, we've talked about yeah, yeah. And, and there are and I love the Wednesday or Thursday day games that end the series. Mm-hmm. That's the same thing in well, the major leagues. You're seeing well, here's the difference. The AP, real quick. The difference is there were two games previously that sure. all, the, all done the starters that. played. And, and I think it's a lot easier to predict days off in baseball because it's kind of been the same way for 50 years in terms of days on, days off. Like guys get into rhythms, and you can, you can anticipate that better than, well, it's a second half of back-to-back they may or may not play. Well, you know, listen. All I know is I'm, I'm I'm playing Monday night at the Lakewood Y after cutting the grass on Sunday. I, I need a load management. Yeah, day off. yeah. Don't don't go to work on Tuesday. How much do I got to pay to get into that that Y to watch you? The Y. Well, I, there's been some big prices. Okay, you know, uh, tickets are up. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll tell you right now. I'll not, be there. I'm not paying top dollar unless you're playing AP. Thanks for the call, buddy. I, I no, I, I think it's an NBA problem. I like baseball. It's totally different. You can predict it in baseball. Because it's not physically possible to play 162 games. It's just not. Not with the way the schedule is condensed. And by the way, I'm not saying that they should play 82 games. Play 70 games. But be a little bit more strategic. Thank you. That's the word I was looking for. Because you know what? Every one of these leagues is so friggin' business-minded. Everything comes down to extracting every last dollar that they can out of the situation. And in doing so, it almost always jobs the small markets like Cleveland, like um, like Portland, like San Antonio, unless your team's also great at that time. Yep. It wasn't going to be the first full segment, but it just really pissed it, me yeah, off. It's okay. Kevin Stefanski, who was on the morning show today. Do you get a, I know you got a chance to listen. I did. It put me to sleep. Go on. It, no, the guys were great. Uh, <laughs> just Kevin just puts me to sleep. I, I literally, I, I'm on my couch. I got this morning at like 6 a.m. and played tennis and came home. Um, and then I sat down on the couch and I started listening to the interview. And I'm like 10 minutes into it. And the next thing you know, it's noon. I'm asleep. I got to give the guys credit. It was, it, and I mean this in, a, in actually a really nice way. It was a very easy listen. Oh, yeah. So meaning, easy I fell asleep. Yeah, meaning like... Um, I, you know what it was? I, I'll say this. Uh, Jim Donovan, two weeks ago, went on Valley Sports and said, hey, it wouldn't hurt you just to be a little bit more accessible, right? To just go out there and to just give fans something. I thought that's what Stefanski did today. You know, like, yeah. like I thought Kevin Stefanski was more open than he had been in his press conferences. I thought, I mean, I thought he gave us some really interesting stuff on... Um, play calling that I thought was telling that we're going to yeah. play here in a few minutes. I thought he got into um, he he. There were a couple moments where he also just took the easy victory lap, like when he talked about weather. We'll get into that as well. 
But like he met, he actually expounded on the David and Joku thing. Remember how much hell he caught after the 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 Saints game because David and Joku was out on the the field for like nine minutes, ten minutes in sub zero temperatures without a shirt. He actually was like, "Yeah, I, I went before the game and I was like, uh, hey man, hypothermia is real." And David's like, "Ah, I'm gonna put my shirt on. It's okay." And they turned around and David didn't have a shirt on. <laughs> so like David doesn't like shirts. That actually is something. Like, okay. He actually gave us some insight into that. But no, I mean, I thought, listen, I it it seemed to me like that was the Brown saying, We've heard you. When I say I'm not talking you and me, I'm not talking about Jim Donovan, I'm talking about the fans. I don't I, it's not just the the losing that I think has fans pissed off. It's the losing lack of answers. And at points, not necessarily flippant, because mm-hmm. I don't think they're careless. I think they're very strategic with what they say, but almost overly strategic and and lacking emotion. And so, and this probably isn't fair, it feels like they don't care, right? When, when somebody comes up and, you know, I just got to coach better and all those kind of cliche things, when you're 7 and 10, if you're a diehard fan, that's not going to register you because the right. attempt there is to be even keeled and to be you know, balanced and, you know, we don't want to lose our head here. As a fan, the number one thing you do all the time is lose your head. So if if today, and what I heard with Ken and Anthony, with Kevin Stefanski, if that is we listen to you guys, and if this was the olive branch, and I don't mean to the station, I mean to the fans, and we're going to try and be a little, Kevin specifically, is going to work just a little bit more in terms of that relationship, mm-hmm. then I think it was a slam dunk. I think it was a success. Because I didn't go into that like this morning. I didn't expect to get every answer I wanted. I never thought that's what that was going to be going into it. Right. And so I thought the guys asked the right question. I thought they were pretty direct with most of those questions. And I thought Kevin did a better job of offering a couple non-answers, but but still at least giving you some kernel in each one of those. No, it, again, I, I was kind of joking about the falling asleep thing. But uh, I actually did fall asleep, but it wasn't really because of him. I was just tired. He, he did give some good answers and it was some good insight. And I thought he was human. Um, not that he's not human. I know I've, I've known the guy forever. I mean, I, I was with him when he was we're the same age. I was in Minnesota with him. Like mm-hmm. he's a normal guy, smart. Like, I just think sometimes he's robotic. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think you can be that when you're winning. But I think when you're losing, it's 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 simple. It's simple humanity. People want to feel a connection with you. Right. And winning is the ultimate. Kevin actually talked about this earlier about like in the locker room, how, you know, when you're losing, everything gets amplified. And when you're winning, everything gets tamped down because everything becomes secondary when you're winning, no matter how serious of an issue it is. I feel the same way when it comes to your relationship with fans. Right. Bill Belichick could spit on Patriots fans when they ask him a question if they're winning a Super Bowl. But if Bill Belichick just non-answers a simple question and they're 6-11, and 11, or like this year where they're pissed about the offensive coordinator thing, yeah, the natives are going to be restless. So I, I hope today was that olive branch because there was some good stuff, and I thought there was some really telling stuff on the play calling. And we're going to play because there's a couple answers that go into this, but Ken and Anthony got into you know the perceived reluctance by – uh, Kevin Stefanski to give up play calling and whether he values play calling. And this is the first answer, but it, we got a couple here because uh, it kind of paints a bigger picture. Here's the first one. 
I look at everything about our operation, about how we, you know, offense, defense, special teams, how we prepare, how we practice. I look at everything. I'll continue to look at everything. When it comes to offensive play calling, I, I do look I do look around the league at what different people are doing and what you're capable of. I don't do it as, you know, it's not the vanity part of it at all. If I feel like there's a better way to do it, we would do it. That's the truth. Are there play calls that you want back? Yes. I mean, every single game there are, especially the ones when you don't win. I mean, that's for sure. My focus goes on, goes to, how can we do this better? How can we do this better as an offensive staff? Obviously, defensive staff... Uh, it's it's going to be a different uh, way of doing things a, a little bit with Jim, but I look at everything, and when things don't work, trust me, the frustration lies within. Then my mindset goes to, okay, how can we become better? What are the decisions that we made that we can do? So I, like a lot of people, heard that, and what I took away was Kevin Stefanski doesn't feel like there's anybody on the staff that could call plays as well as him. Is that a fair takeaway to have? Uh, I, I think that's fair. Um, I, I mean, I don't know that it's accurate, mm-hmm. but listening to that snippet, yeah, I think that's fair. And that's like an ex- that's kind of more an expanded thought on what he said when he was asked about it at the end of season press conference two weeks ago. Right. Which was effectively, well, if I thought it was... So you either don't think anybody on the staff can do <clears throat> better than you, or you don't think your play calling is an issue. Which is interesting because the next clip we're going to play is him talking about whether he likes calling plays or not. Here's what he had to say. Did I say it was fun? It's fun maybe in the moment. It's exhausting. Calling plays is exhausting. And I think what I've tried to get to with certainly our offense is the fun part for me is putting together the game plan, working with the coaches Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you know, trying to put our guys in position. When it gets to game day, you try to really get out of the way as much as you can. That's something Jim and I have talked about and that he talks about defensively is you've prepared the guys, get out of the way, give them stuff that they can go execute at a high level. But in terms of the play calling, it's exhausting. You know, you get through those games, you're making decisions every 35 seconds, both on offense, on defense. So you're spent after a game. You really are. So what I took away from this was, yeah, it's maybe not my favorite thing to do. Because, like, the thing... The- I mean, that that was an explanation of something... It, to me, it, it sounded like he was talking about doing, like, yard work on a Saturday. Yes. Like, something I have to do, not something I yeah, want and, to do. Yeah, and I don't like it. And I think... Well, <laughs> and I think my response would be, then change your staff. And I don't and I don't want to see anybody... I don't want to see Alex Van Pelt fired. I don't want to see uh, Drew Petzing fired. Right. But you're three years in. If you don't trust anybody on staff to turn the play calling over... Nobody's holding a gun to your head and saying, oh, you're going to keep every one of these assistants. It's your staff. But isn't that what we heard with Jim Schwartz? Jim Schwartz said, uh, it's it's not my defensive staff, it's Kevin's coaching staff. Yeah. So, like, on one hand, I totally understand looking at this and saying, well, I like I love what AVP does in terms of uh, game planning. I love what Drew Petzing does in terms of his relationship with the quarterback. But I don't trust either as a play caller. Well, isn't there room for whether it's whether it's either getting rid of one of those guys and making room or whether it's a simple thing like, hey, we're going to bring in a senior offensive assistant and their sole job on game day is to call plays like I, what's fascinating to me is that Van Pelt's on the staff mm-hmm. and he has called plays before, right? I think so. I think in Cincinnati, I think he but did. I could be wrong on that. I could be wrong, too. Um, either way, I mean, he is a veteran of the NFL, an ex-player. I mean, been coaching forever. You don't trust that guy? Well, and how and, you- and, and, and you collaborate with this guy every single day throughout the week 
in your game planning. Oh, and by the way, it was Buffalo in 2009 that I was thinking about, not uh, OC of Cincinnati. I mean, I, I think that, like, Who, also, uh, yes. Um, uh, I was with him. Also, how do you know? I mean, I think, and again, these are all questions. They're not uh, condemnations of Kevin Stefanski, but like, like, how do you know Alex Van Pelt wouldn't be a good play caller? If he's never done it with you, if he hasn't done it since 2009, how do you know? And, and, and furthermore, like, it was the same thing with, with firing a defensive coordinator in, in season. Well, we don't want to fire Joe Woods. One of the rumors was they didn't, they didn't feel like anybody on the defense was, was going to be a good enough replacement. How do you know? And it, and it goes back into that. Like that, it's such a um, an information dense organization. They just have so many streams of information. Is it that that is it? It's too much of a risk because I would understand that if it's not that he doesn't trust him, it's just a risk to go to that person and have to go back. I totally get it. Yeah. Teams also do that all the time. Mm-hmm. Teams will give the play calling over. I mean, how many times is uh, was it Bruce Arians has taken over play calling? Bill Belichick on a defensive level has taken over play calling. I just I found I found his answers incredibly interesting and I think very telling. I just think the more I've heard about it, in in a I'll say this: I don't definitively know it is a problem. I just know that at points Kevin has struggled with in-game decisions and the way he described play calling is, oh, man, it's exhausting. So if you're juggling simple things like play calling on top of arguing with officials, uh, if you're if you're juggling that on top of making, you know, any sort of decisions outside of that that, you know, re- pertain to other parts of the ball, right? it, it does make you wonder. Like, and I think, I think, listen, if Kevin Stefanski isn't going to do it now, the only way this changes is if he's compelled to do it. Is, is if they go to him and say, listen, we love you. We love what you bring to us. We think you're an excellent game planner, but we need you to go ahead and, and we need you to anoint somebody to call plays. I just don't know that they would do that. I agree. I agree. And I think, listen, I is that the fatal flaw in the Death Star? No, probably not. <laughs> but is it the thing that could... Listen, the margins for winning in the NFL are just so damn small. Yep. And... You know, Kevin made a point to bring up, well, it's not the vanity part. I think he brought up, I, th- I thought that was a very purposeful drop in one of the pieces of sound we played. Because I think I think the Browns have heard the complaints about Kevin as a play caller, and I think people, I think people have astutely um, pointed out that that is an ego thing. Whether that's specific to Kevin or not, it doesn't matter. There are coaches who have fallen before because they didn't do the right thing earlier and let somebody else call the offense. Like, uh, Hugh's a bad case because I just I I think there just wasn't alignment on what they wanted to do. Hugh wanted to try and win, and the Browns wanted to try and get draft picks and number one picks and stuff like that. There's a little bit of a miscommunication there. Yeah, or, or just two people not being entirely honest with each other. Yeah. But, like, you know, Pat Shermer was a guy. He had Gil Haskell on his staff. Pat Shermer should not have been calling plays. He shouldn't have. He should have He should have had a young assistant that he could trust that could do that. I don't think play calling will be the thing that sinks Kevin as a head coach, if anything does sink him as a head coach, but I don't know it's helping him. And, and he can say, well, it's not the vanity of it, 
Well, if you think you're a better play caller than anybody on your staff, when you have a staff where Alex Van Pelt, and people have pointed this out on Twitter, thank you to everybody who did, uh, Twitter reactions brought to you by Scheiben Jewelers, uh, Alex Van Pelt called the playoff win. So he was good enough for that game. Browns fans don't want to hear that. Actually, it was I think Kevin Stefanski didn't well, want to hear yeah, that. Well, yes, Stefanski doesn't want to hear that. Stefanski doesn't have a playoff win. That's, no, alleged. no, no. We are not oh, doing. Is he game plan on Zoom? Yes, because he was. He was because he was on his computer. He led them to those wins that led into it. By the way, that game was pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. Bill, welcome to the show, buddy. What you got for us? Hey, you guys, great program. Thank you. You always say hey, that. Du- Thanks, hey, Bill. hey, Dustin. Yeah. Are, when are you going to the NFL? When am I going to the NFL? Yeah, and do NFL programs Tuesday. Uh, next week. No, I'm kidding. Well, I, I, I think you're probably going to be able to get there. You oh, know? Well, that's I mean, nice of you to say. Yeah, you, you know, you did a lot of MU games this year, and uh, you did a great job. Thanks, man. Appreciate that. You bet. You bet. Uh, you know, this. I always would like, and I get it why Ken and Anthony didn't go to the nth degree, but I always like to uh, hear interviews in which you feel like you're sitting across the table, and these are the questions you would ask, and that is, Kevin, why is it you come out and on the first series you score points and you struggle the rest of the game? Kevin, why is it that the 49ers this year, they have a third-string quarterback that probably has a good chance of taking them to the Super Bowl? And, you know, we had Brissett, and he's been around forever and has started and whatever, and we had a great running back and a great offense with that. And granted, you know, Keith and I were just talking before I came on, the, our defense isn't quite as good. I get that. But why is it they were able to go this distance and we didn't even come close? And, you know, and so I disagreed, Nick, in a nice way. Thank you. That you know, Stefanski does have difficulty making decisions. He has difficulty in changing. And I think uh, it's going to be the downfall of it. Bill, we appreciate the call. Uh, hey, to I one, appreciate you guys. Thank you, buddy. To one thing, I, I I would like to defend Ken and Anthony. I thought they did a fine job. Um, no, yeah, I, I had no problem with their I, I had heard them come back from break at uh, after Kevin Stefanski, and apparently they had heard from I don't know Twitter that um, that that they didn't go hard enough on Kevin Stefanski. Um, yeah, I, I I just think that's something that's easy to say when you're not in the room. Um, I thought they touched on every topic. We like I ask dramatically different questions than they do. They also have a different style. Well, you're talking about sure. the broadcasting style. So I, I disagree with the idea that that was on Ken and Anthony. Um, I I think they could have pushed as hard as you wanted to, and I think Kevin's answers were going to be Kevin's answers. And I also think that could have pushed the interview in the wrong direction. Quite frankly. I think if you had pushed too hard or if you tried to come no, off as, I mean, as listen, Tommy Tuffass. This, this is a postseason um, in-person interview Yeah, that you're just, I mean, you want to ask some difficult questions, but but certainly if you've never done it before, yeah. it, by the way, it's, it, those are tough interviews. Well, and I, I would also say, like, you know, hopefully, I, I mentioned earlier, I want it to be an olive branch. Um, quite frankly, if that is an olive branch, even to to do more stuff uh, around, you don't want to go ahead and just appear to be the guy that's uh, gotcha questions don't really work in that interview. <laughs> like I'll just say that 
Like, direct questions do, and I thought they asked a lot of those, but, like, you know, one of the ones for Bill was, so you're really good on fir- on the first drive and then you suck elsewhere. What's that about? Yeah, that's uh, that feels a little bit like something that might be asked by somebody who used to work for Cleveland.com and now is on terrestrial radio. Um, I do remember, Hugh, like, Hugh Jackson, though, man. That guy, he was, he was a tough nut to crack. Yeah. You know? And the one time we had him at training camp, he sits down. He's like, oh, yeah, you guys are the guys that talk bleep about me. <laughs> right before the interview starts, I'm like, oh, that's going to be great. Did you guys bring it up, like, right after? We never brought it up. Oh. No. I did that once. I did that with Ron Rivera. I couldn't, be- I couldn't believe he said that to us. So when Ron got fired in Carolina, I, my show had been the most critical of Ron Rivera, and he actually chose to come in with us. And he said right before we go on, he's like, the reason why I chose you guys is you guys have been harsh on us, but you were like, you were critical. You were asking the right questions. And so it was like the perfect, like, you were right, which if, if, if that mattered to me, it would have completely destroyed the interview <laughs> because then you're like, oh, he's so nice. And, oh, I just want to be his friend. And I did not. I went the opposite. I went the, uh, I'm going to ask all the hard questions. As did my co-host. I should give him credit. He was awesome, too. A little bit of Browns news coming along, by the way. Yeah, I saw uh, that. Chad O'Shea, huh? Chad O'Shea uh, has interviewed for the Jets' offensive coordinator job. He, of course, is the Browns' passing game coordinator. Um, yeah, I mean, we saw the Bill Callahan thing earlier today. I think that's the most likely move that could happen. I think the Browns losing an assistant or two as jobs start to get filled and that actually might be the mechanism that allows you to to to, to maybe change play caller. Because my thinking was maybe the Browns are playing the long game by not saying Kevin's going to give up play calling duty by allowing Alex Van Pelt to go elsewhere. Again, this is all a hypothetical. I have no foreknowledge. Maybe it opens up a spot where AVP can leave, be a play caller somewhere else, and then you can either – put somebody you want in that chair or bring somebody from the outside. Just just that, conspiracy theorists. That could be one possible uh, thought on the on the matter. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Oh, 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 Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.